0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's word to which we draw our attention today is the parallel passage to our gospel reading from Mark. This is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We'll listen to verses 1 through 4 and we'll hear the remaining verses through the sermon. So please rise as we hear these words of our Lord. Then the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He did not eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights, and at the end of that time he was very hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered, It is written, a person will not be kept alive by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. If I mention the name Michael Buffer, that probably doesn't ring a bell. But if I were to say, let's get ready to rumble. Well, maybe you're familiar with that saying. It used to be that that's how the the show The world championship wrestling show was introduced michael buffer is the one who who would say that line and i don't really understand why it was ever called wrestling i mean when i think of wrestling i think of a sport but here are these guys they're throwing each other around the ring they're doing pile drivers and throwing people into the posts i mean come on if they were really doing all of those things these guys would at the least be seriously injured it really wasn't that much of a rumble now in in our passage for today the passage of of jesus temptation in the wilderness we do have a true rumble if you will a true battle that's going on this event was not staged for anyone's entertainment it and it wasn't just a cakewalk for jesus our savior to to just waltz right through no he's going up against A very powerful foe. One that he had known since the creation of the world. He's going up against the devil himself. This was serious business. And the outcome of this particular fight would actually have eternal consequences. So let's set the stage here. Jesus had just been baptized by John in in the River Jordan. And then he's led out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He's ready to begin his earthly ministry. But but before that ministry begins, before his public ministry begins, he has to to face the devil. The devil, you see, was going to throw everything that he had at him because he's trying to derail Jesus. He's trying to get him off of the track that that is leading him straight to the cross. Now, Since we have this account recorded for us in Scripture, we know how it turns out. We know that Jesus wins. He defeated the devil very soundly. But what does that victory mean for us? Do we simply have a good example for us, an example of of how Jesus was able to, to defeat the devil? Well, that's part of it, but it's not the main point. The way that Jesus handled the devil is the best example for us as to how to beat temptation, and we'll talk about that. But, but we need to keep in mind why Jesus was fighting against the devil in the first place. He was in this battle for us. He was taking on the devil in our place. And so as we contemplate all of the temptations, the, the daily struggles that we have with temptation, We'll see in this passage how to do battle with the devil. So as we prepare to face the devil's assaults and attacks, we have to keep in mind that really they have one focus. Serve yourself. In many ways, we like that message because we like to serve ourselves. We like to do things that are going to make us happy. We like to do things that we want to do. And that first temptation that's recorded here falls right in line with that thinking. In essence, the devil is saying, stop trusting God, trust in yourself. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now again, Jesus had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And to say that he was very hungry really is kind of an understatement. But look what the devil tries to do. He tries to get Jesus to serve himself. If you are the Son of God. Now, we really wasn't questioning that. The devil knew full well who Jesus was. He knew he was the Son of God. But he's trying to get him to question how much God actually cares about him. He's trying to get Jesus to to say, well, I'm going to abandon this mean God My mean Heavenly Father who has kept me hungry for all of these days, I'm going to abandon Him and take care of the situation myself. That's what the tempter here was trying to do. God doesn't care about you, he's telling him. God would have fed you if He really did care about you. And you have the power to take care of this situation yourself. Go ahead and make these stones become bread. self reliance It's actually the key to all other religions in the world. All religions in the world other than Christianity have some element of things that you have to do in order to attain salvation or attain some higher existence. And this is really how we think by nature. We, we think of ourselves as being able to to do what we want, and to work for the things that we think are good. We have all kinds of stories like that in our culture, in our society. As we think about people who have risen up from nothing, who have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, as it were, who have made themselves into something, we're told that from the time we're young. You have potential. You have boundless opportunities in front of you. And so the tempter comes to us with the same sort of temptation. He says, God doesn't care about you. Look at all of the terrible things that happen to you. If God really cared about you, would he allow all of these bad things to happen? You need to depend on yourself and stop trusting that God is going to help you. Now, you've heard it before, right? In some way, Satan has whispered those words to you. Maybe it was in a time of crisis in your life. Maybe it was in a time of of deep darkness in your life. But the tempter doesn't stop there. He also goes on and he says, Tempt God. See how much he really cares about you and after he took jesus to the pinnacle of the temple he says if you are the son of god jump down for it is written he will give his angels charge over you they will carry you in their hands and never let you stub your foot against a stone now jesus had already shown that he did trust god for his sustenance and so now that the tempter wants to show or wants to to get Jesus to think about how deep that trust actually runs. And look at his tactics. Maybe the devil figured that Jesus is quoting Scripture. He's going to quote Scripture too. Or maybe he's simply trying to throw a little bit of truth in with the lie. Either way, the devil was trying to get Jesus to make God prove that he cared about him. You've been there before, right? God, if you do nothing else for me, just this one thing, if you could do this one thing, then I'll know that you really care about me. Maybe it was in a a dire life-changing situation where you were praying for someone to be saved from death. Maybe it was a time when you really needed some direction about a, a major decision in life. And you were just asking God for some very crystal clear direction. But whatever it was, maybe you heard the tempter encouraging you. You see, when we pray that way, when we, when we lay it out before God that way, we're really saying, God, prove to me that you care. Prove to me that you have my best interests at heart. Maybe we figure that because we are God's children, that he kind of owes us like a little child trying to manipulate its parents we put god to the test to see if he cares and again that's being sinfully self-serving that's exactly what the devil wants us to do and it gets even worse the ultimate way to serve yourself the ultimate way the devil tells us is to give up on god altogether He says to Jesus, after he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world, he says, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. I almost wonder if the devil's patience at this point was wearing a little thin. Here he had been going at Jesus for 40 days, getting nowhere. He's throwing everything he's got at him, and he finally decides he's going to go for the whole thing, the whole shebang, get Jesus to give up on God and worship him. Now, we might think that the devil was being pretty ridiculous in this temptation. After all, wasn't Jesus already the king of the universe? Didn't he already have all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory? That was true, but think about what lay ahead of Jesus. Jesus knew ultimately where his life was headed, that it was headed to the cross. And so the devil is coming at him and saying, Jesus, why go through all of that pain, all of that suffering, when you can have the final prize right now? All you have to do is bow down and worship me. We live in a world that's very much accustomed to immediate gratification. We like things right now. And with all of the technology that we have in our world now, It's pretty easy. We can get all kinds of things at a moment's notice. And so when Jesus promises us heaven, well, heaven seems maybe so far away in time and in spatial terms. It it seems so surreal, so intangible. And so the fact that, that we live on this earth where we know we're going to have crosses to bear we know we have difficulties ahead of us it makes it kind of hard to wait and so along comes the tempter offering us power and prestige and wealth and glory now and all we have to do is is take god down a notch or two on our list of priorities that's all that's all what happens When we do that, we have bowed down to the tempter himself. We have given in to the tempter because then we are serving ourselves. We're following him straight to his home of hell. And that's the focus of the devil's temptation. Serve yourself, make yourself happy. He comes to us in all kinds of sly ways, but we can defeat him. All hope is not lost. The devil's temptations, you see, were defeated with one weapon, God's word. When the devil says, stop trusting God, Jesus tells us to rely on God's word for our very life. Jesus said, it is written, a person will not be kept alive by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks. When Jesus was in the wilderness for those 40 days, fasting that entire time, what, or I should say, who was keeping him going? Well, it was God. God, through his word, that was his food at the time. It's what kept him going. And, and we look at God's word in the same way. Now, that's easy enough to say that we rely on God's word to that extent, to where it is our food. Not always easy to do. So easy for us to lose our focus, to get sidetrack to focus on our bellies instead of on the bible. God's word at times becomes kind of like an afterthought instead of our focus. But think about what God gives you in his word. He gives you life and eternal life at that. Yes, in his word God does have to condemn you first by telling that you telling you that you deserve only eternal death because of all of your sins, because of all of the times that you serve yourself. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He tells you the good news. He tells you, you don't have to die because my son, Jesus, died for you. And that message then is our life. That message is our sustenance. And that's why we thrive on every word that God speaks, as Jesus says. And that actually ties in with the answer to the, to the second temptation that's recorded here. When the devil says, tempt God, Jesus tells us not to tempt God because it's not necessary. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. Now that was actually a pretty good trick on, on Satan's part. Why not, again, throw in some scripture, mix in a little truth with a lie. God says he'll protect you. Why don't you try him? The problem is is that the devil was taking those words of Scripture out of context. In Psalm 91, which is what he was quoting, it does say that God will protect his people, that God is going to care about his people. And in those verses, God promises that he is with us. But it doesn't say that you have to test God to, to get him to prove it. We have multiple places in Scripture that talk about his care for us, that talk about how he is concerned about everything about us, That w- everything that we do. He is our good shepherd. He is constantly watching over us wandering sheep. And so we have to ask, has God ever failed to keep his promises of protection and care? Now, as you think about your life, you may think about instances where, You kind of wondered, maybe you thought God was being a little lax. But isn't that more of a problem with our perception of things? Just because God doesn't protect us and provide us in the way we think he should doesn't mean that he's not. God does provide for us every day. Sure, we have all kinds of physical provisions, everything that we need for this body and life as we see in the catechism. He always provides for us in His Word, His Word and His sacraments, where He gives us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He gives us strength through that same Word to withstand any of the temptations that the devil throws at us. So when you're tempted to give up on God and His Word, when you're tempted to put Him to the test, just go back to His Word. And there you have the assurance that that you don't need to put him to a test because he promises he does care for you. And finally, as we use the word to defeat the devil in battle, when we face that temptation to worship other gods, the answer is very simple. Keep God as number one in your life. Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, if I were to ask you, what other gods do you serve? You might not be able to come up with a list of them right away in your head because you think, well, I can't think of other gods that I serve. So, let me ask it this way. What's most important to you? What do you think about most of the time? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, many times our thoughts are focused on ourselves number one we are looking out for ourselves all the time and that's the way our brains kind of operate and that's exactly what Satan wants it to be it drives him crazy for you to put God in the number one spot in your life he absolutely hates seeing you come to worship he hates it when he sees you reading your Bible and praying he can't stand it when he sees you living out the vocations in which God has placed you as, as a father, a mother, a spouse, a child, an employer, a student, whatever place he's put you. And that's why the devil tries so hard to keep us from making God number one. But finally, we have to do what, what Jesus said at the end. Go away, Satan. We tell the devil to get lost, to, to quit bothering us because we are God's children, his blood-bought sons and daughters. Now, if only it were that easy. If, if we could tell, this, tell the devil once to get lost and be done with it, well, oh, that would be great. But we know he keeps coming at us. For as long as we're on this earth, we are going to be doing battle with the devil. He's going to find all sorts of ways to tempt us, to try to, to get us away from God, to keep keep us from trusting god he wants us to displace god he wants us to put god to the test but the weapon that we have to fight against him is undefeatable god's word it's the same weapon that jesus used when he was defeating the devil and it's the same weapon we use why well because of what jesus has done for us through his life and death and resurrection He has brought us into a relationship with him. And so he shares everything with us. Everything that we need, he shares with us, including his word. The one weapon with which we can defeat anything that the devil throws at us. Keep fighting against the devil. God is always on your side. Amen.